Now let's turn our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 9. 1 Samuel chapter 9. Now we have before us in significant details the unfolding event of how Samuel, or rather Saul, would meet Samuel. It all started with, well, um, Esther's being lost. A common thing that happens to people in those days, even now, Esther's being lost, and the father of Saul, who was a powerful, mighty man, sent him and a servant to go look for this Esther. And the Bible tells us they went all over the place and they could not find these asses. And when they were running out of food, well, Saul decided that they should return because the father would be worried about them. At this point, the servant would say, well, you know, let's go look for this seer, this prophet. Well, whatever he says comes true. That is his reputation. Well, then Saul decided, well, okay, since we have something to give to him, let's go, let's go. And on the way there, they would meet a group of ladies coming out to, well, draw water, also a common thing. They asked them, where can we find this seer? And they said, oh, so-called, eh, in today's language, you're in luck. You're in luck. He is here today. Now, what, what are the chances? And it is exactly the day where he, he will be offering the sacrifices. That is why he is here. Well, he's just about, he, by this time, he should be going up to um, bless the food. Hurry, go down and meet him. You will meet him on the way, that's for sure. Now, of course, they went down, and, and that is when Samuel would, well, bump into Saul and his servant. Now, that is how they met. That is how they met. Now, is it God's will? Is it God's will for Samuel, uh, for Saul, to be king? Now, when you look at all these details, one thing that is something that I often tell you uh, about is, now if you notice in this whole passage from verses 1 to 20, the repeated end, all right? Like verse 1, there's a now, is similar to end, and then Verse 2, there's end. And then verse 3, there's end. Verse 4, there's end. Verse 5, there's end. Verse 6, there's end. And then 7, there's end. If it is also then, end. Verse 8, and then verse 10, also then. And then verse 11, end. End. Verse 12, and you go on and on. Verse 14, end. Um, and go on and on. Verse 17, end. Verse 18, then. And then verse 19, end. And verse 20, end. Now, this is not normal English language. You don't keep starting a statement with end, 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 end. Which is why very often you read in the modern versions, they, this is not normal English, they leave it out. Now this is an actual word that exists, all right, in the Hebrew language. End, 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 end. And it's a linguistic tool that is used. Whenever you notice that, and when you do your devotion, you should notice these things. Whenever God does that, now, it's a linguistic tool that tells people, I am, I am deliberately emphasizing something. And in fact, I am almost like unfolding this event in slow motion detail to you. Don't rush through it. There is a deliberate um, um, emphasis that I am making. Don't miss a single thing. Don't blink. Now, that is the linguistic tool. So this King James Version's Version is a very good version. It helps you to understand. It's almost like reading Hebrew, all right, in many extent, without needing to know the language. That's how faithful the translation is. Now, why do I want to tell you all this? Because now all these events that were happening were not by accident. That is, God, that is what God is saying. They are not by chance. Were these things um, orchestrated by God? Were they? These are normal things that very often happen in life. But God wants us to know He orchestrated all this. Now, how do we know that? For example, now look at verse 15. Look at verse 15. And now the Lord had told Samuel in his year a day before Saul came. You see, this did not happen by chance. Before these things happened, God already told Samuel a day before. Now, verse 10. Tomorrow, 
about this time. I will send the Amen. So God says, I am the one who will send. So all these things that Saul and his servant experienced right from the beginning was not chance. was not just random, where animals escape, animals run away, normal. No, God said, through all this, I, I will send him. The reason why he will end up here is I will send thee a man. Now, out of Benjamin, right? Now he says, now, furthermore, um, then he says, and, to, and shall anoint him to be captain over my people, over Israel. Now, God made it very clear it was him who did all this. Then when Samuel drew near, Luke verse 18, um, when Sam, as, as Samuel um, drew near, you know, God would say, now this is the man. This is the man. Right? Verse 17, Behold, the man whom I spake to thee of. So the entire event from the beginning was designed by God. Now the question again is this. Well, if this is designed by God and things work so smoothly, everything fitted together so well, now the question is, is it God's will for, Samuel, for Saul to be king? If God worked it in so much detail and carefulness and took so much pain all right, to, to bring everything um, to this point, is it God's will for Saul to be king? No. No. Well, the proof, where's the proof? Look at 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 9. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 9. Now he says, well, the people, well, they wanted a king. They wanted a king, right? And God says, now therefore, hearken unto their voice, how be it yet protest solemnly unto them. Number one, they wanted a king now. This was not the king that God intended for them. It will be David. David will be king. God will make David king, all right, about 40 years later. David is not even born now till at least 10 years later. We saw that last week. But see, they want a king now. They want their kind of king. I'll give it to them. But God says protest solemnly. So God is doing this in protest. God, in other words, God's, God is against it. It is not God's will for, Samuel, for Saul to be king. That is the first thing. Now, then the second thing we know is, look at 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 22. Well, similar to what he said earlier on as well, 22. And the Lord said to Samuel, hearken unto their voice and make them a king. Hearken unto their voice and make them a king. So God is saying, this is what they want. Well, if they stubbornly, willfully want it, and they've made up their mind and they're not going to change their mind and they keep bugging you, then... Well, listen to their voice. This was not God's voice. This was not God's will. It's the voice of the people. They say, listen to them and make them a king. So it is not God's will. Then you say, hang on. This is, this is strange because if it is not God's will, then why would God go through all the trouble to bring all this together, bring all this to pass? Why? Well, the simple reason is this. Well, we just studied the sevenfold will of God, right? In our church study series. This is God's chastative will. This is God's chastative will. Please remember, everything that happens in this universe is always God's will. The question is, which aspect of His will? That is why the Christian must be clear from Scriptures. There are different aspects of God's will. There is God's good will, right? When I say good will, it means His, his blessed will. means uh, the will that God intends for you, for, for what will happen, that will bring blessings, that will bring His kingdom's work to pass. That is what His will, this good or blessed will is. But then when we refuse that, we will still be in God's will. We cannot walk out of God's will. Otherwise, then God is no longer sovereign or in control. We will just walk into His chastative will, that will that God will use to chastise us, to make us repent, to turn us back. But He will use chastative will. So what is happening here? What is happening here? Well, I would say, I hope this picture stays in your mind. This, from the point where, where the asses decide to run away, right? To run away. That was the, the gear 
all right? The, will, the gear, gear will of God, chastative will beginning in motion. You know, gears have gear tooth, right? Gear tooth. This is the first gear tooth engaging. This is the machinery of God's chastative will starting in motion. Because we know one thing for, clear, for sure, God orchestrated everything. The second thing is clear. It is not God's goodwill, God's good intent for them. Then with that, this has to be God's chastative will now beginning. Now, what is the realization that the Christian must have? When we see things moving so smoothly, everything coming in place, just as we hoped for to get what we want, whether consciously or unconsciously, when everything works so smoothly, well, like the title this morning, we think in our hearts, this has to be God's will. That is something that we have to realize. Now, just as God would take pain, would be very precise to bring to pass his blessed will, he will also use the same deliberate, precise um, actions to bring his chastative will to pass in our lives as well. That is something we must realize. Just because things work so amazingly, circumstances, as we've studied, circumstances can be so amazing and, and seem to be so smooth in our lives. No, it doesn't mean it's God's blessed will. Be conscious of that, in other words. Don't fall into this error of blindly just saying, well, well things, things are moving just as expected. Then it is God's good will. Don't think that God's chastity's will is always explosions and chaos. We saw here. The initial part of the chastity's will beginning can be very smooth, can make us very happy. But it's just the beginning, just the beginning of the chaos that will follow after that. God will make sure it come to pass. Go and make sure that in your disobedience, in your um, stubbornness, and you insist that you want that, and God, when he says, then I need to chastise you so that you will learn, and there will be consequences that you will suffer, God will make sure that that will happen. So that is what we must realize. Then now we have to ask ourselves. Now, yes, sometimes it, can, it is God's will. Right? You see in scriptures, very often God works precisely, wonderfully, and everything comes in place. And that is God's goodwill. All right? Don't jump to the conclusion, it's always the case. Now, so how, what must I be aware of? What must I learn from this passage in my life that I need to be conscious all the time about when things happen in my life and not fall into this, this, this mistake? Well, the first thing, first thing we must be aware of is, well, we'll use four E's and one T, all right? Four E's and one T. Hopefully that helps you to remember. I know it doesn't, it doesn't form any word, right? Or we say, this is it. This is it, all right? This is it. Spell wrongly as well. If it helps you to, the, the, the worse it is, the worse example, hopefully it helps you to remember. The first E, the first E. Well, be careful of expectations. You see, they asked God, they asked God, they prayed, now, the expectation we often have, I prayed, I went to God, I asked God, and then I got the answer, right? And it's happening. So our expectation, our assumption is, well, God's goodwill is happening. It turned out exactly as I was hoping for and is working towards it. We are going to have Saul. Now, please know, all this while Samuel is very clear. This is not God's goodwill, God's chastitive will. Later, Samuel will... Will, will reiterate to them, you are in God's chastative will. Are we going to learn, learn, learn that later? But the first one is, don't simply say that, or think in your heart, I prayed. You know, that is our expectation, and that's our folly very often. We thought that we prayed, right? Our pastor, or daddy, mommy, you know, or spouse, I prayed about it. And just because we prayed about it, we went to God about it, we just expect that if when the next thing that happened, it is God's goodwill. No. It doesn't mean that. Well, sometimes it is. Later at the end, we'll learn how to, dif how to differentiate. How do we know, all right? But now, just learn this. Be careful of 
expectations. When things are moving as expected, I, I ask God for it. So young person, just because you prayed for this and that, just because things are moving, it doesn't mean it is God's will, all right? Sometimes people come and they say, you know, Pastor, I prayed. And you can't deny it, right? I prayed, and then things happen like clockwork. If this didn't happen, if that ever happened, no, this thing would not have come to pass. But I remember I went to God and I asked God for it. And all these things just fell into place. Where I was, when I was there, you know, what happened. If, if it didn't happen, if I didn't lose my handphone, if I didn't lose um, my ship and, and, and I prayed, then all these things would not have come together. You see, we, we think just because I prayed. So that's the first one. Well, it can be. You find out how to know afterwards, but don't just jump to conclusion. That is what it should be. In other words, in this expectation, simply don't jump to conclusions. Learn to do that. Well, you're expecting an answer. You're expecting this to happen. You're assuming this to happen. Don't jump to conclusions. We kept learning in the sevenfold will of God. Now, situations, events, and all that are very low in prior, must be very low in priority of a Christ, for a Christian to use as confirming God's good will. We jump to conclusions just because things turn out and, and things um, turn out well and things fell into place, then it is God's good will. All right? So that is the first thing we must be aware of because you look at this. Look at this. They ask God, and then Samuel said, All right, you, you ask that, and then right now in chapter 8, verse 22. Now, all right, then you, everyone, go home to your own city. And then in the heart, knew, all right, I guess we got what we wanted. We asked God, and then Samuel dismissed us, didn't get a scolding from him. And then these things are happening. All right, when they look back, wow, this is what happened. This is how, we, this is how Saul met Samuel. Wow, must be God's arrangement. Now the second E. All right, the second E. Externals. Externals. Don't simply use external, um, don't simply evaluate things based on externals. Don't simply evaluate things based on the externals for confirming and assuming that it is God's good, blessed will. Why do we say that? Look at verse 1. Now, please know that God gives all these details not for fun, right? Look at verse 1. Now, first and foremost, Samuel, uh, Saul, was the son of a mighty man of power. Verse 1. Well, background. Mighty, the son of a mighty man of power. Yes, from a small, the smallest tribe, Benjamin, but a very much beloved tribe of God, and a mighty man of power. The background, just the externals. The next, now see how God describes. And he had a son. Now, this son was Saul, a choice young man. Number one, was a choice young man. God took his time to describe the externals. Please know that. Prime age. He is highly eligible. Those words for girls who are looking for a husband, right? For countries looking for a king. Prime age highly eligible to be chosen. But this word is more describing an external examination of a person, all right? So it's used to describe externals, drawing an attention to the external. Now, then the next one, God doesn't stop there. For example, a choice, young man, a goodly, a goodly. Now, what's goodly? means valuable. Valuable, but not valuable spiritually. These are very physical descriptions description of physical things, valuable to the senses, right? To man's estimation. That is what it is. So it's again looking at the external, just evaluating based on the external. Now then, God doesn't stop there. And there was a none, there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person. Oh, can't be compared. In other words, you can't even find another one like that. So very often in life, you say, Wow, this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing before me. How can it not be God's will? God must have brought this person, this thing, this opportunity before me. Well, we see more examples later on, all right? But yes, it is external. Then 
Now, another description. None like him, goodlier person than him. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any people. All externals. Higher, taller, biggest. So once you walk into the room, he's the tallest. Some of you are like that in church. <laughs> all the externals. All the externals. Now, why did God say all this? Do you think God is saying, wow, this guy is fantastic. You see, I'm choosing the bestest of the best and none like them for you. No, of course not. We already know they, the, the first tooth of the, of the chastitive will was in motion. He was protesting. He said that. He said this in pro, solemn protest against them. The, the, the Philistines, especially in Gath, were giants. Who better to have a king? And they, say, they said earlier on, right, in chapter 8, we want a king like the other nations and our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Who better than a huge, the hugest person, the tallest, biggest, goodliest person among us to fight the giants of the Philistines? Of course, we want someone externally that is like that. You see, when we begin to say, wow, this fit the bill perfectly. It must be God's will. We jump to that conclusion. Be careful, Christian. I'm not saying it's always not. But don't jump to conclusion. Now, not only that, sometimes we think first. First. First must be special. What do I mean by that? Well, as they look back, well, Saul is, was our first king. Right? On hindsight. I'm talking about later. Saul was our first king. Sometimes we are like that. Well, this was our first this and first that. Just because it's first, it doesn't mean it was God's will. Right? This was Israel's first king indeed. But was it God's blessed will for them? No, it was God's chastative will. Whatever is the first. Don't be loyal to first. Don't, be, don't evaluate things just because it was the first. Right? It doesn't necessarily mean that was the blessed will of God. Now maybe just some well, we move, all right? We'll apply later on. So, externals. Now, what is the next one? Well, encouragements. How do we know that? Well, Saul was quite discouraged already, and Saul said, well, looks, let's give up. Right? Let's, let's go back. Let's go back. Let's, let's abandon this whole thing. Now, then, in verse 6, the, 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 the servant encouraged him. Behold, now there in the city is a man of God, honorable man, honorable man. Everything that he says now, all that he says comes surely to pass. Now let us go hither. Peradventure he shall show us our way that we should go. Well, someone encouraged you and then you followed their advice and then one thing, one thing led to another and this thing led to that and then we met this person and then we met this person all because the servant encouraged him. And then he met Samuel. All right? Now, all these are written for the children of Israel to read. This is how God wants Samuel. This is how Saul met Samuel. They read all this. They can read all this and say, wow, fantastic. You know? And that is how we are. Well, because my school encourages me to study this course, to do this, to do that. Just because, well, in the very time of need, they were in a time of need. They went across it. They didn't know what to do. Just in a time of need, someone encouraged me. And as a result, one thing led to another. Wow. All things work together for good. Do we always just jump to a conclusion like that? Just always in the background of our minds. Learn from this passage. This was not God's blessed will. And yet everything worked perfectly and someone encouraged him and then it led to something else. Well, often we say, well, my, my parents encouraged me to take this, to do this, and to do that. Well, sometimes we hide behind that, right? Well, just because another Christian came up and encouraged you to continue to pursue this and pursue that, does not automatically mean, even when you're time and you really hope for some answers and some help, then the encouragement is necessarily always God's leading to God's Good, blessed will. doesn't mean that. It can mean that. But don't always assume that it is. It is. All right? 
So that is another E. Well, another E. Events. Events. What do I by events? Well, it is quite amazing, isn't it? All right? Now, so they decided to go. Well, um, yeah, they decided to go. So Saul so said, well, we don't have anything to offer the, this, this man of God, so we've almost finished our food. And then the servant answered, verse 8, the servant answered Saul again and said, Behold, I have here at hand the fourth part of a shekel. That will I give to the man of God to tell us our way. Wow, what are the chances? Master don't have money. Servant has more money than the master. What an event. So sometimes you feel, well, you know, we don't have funding. Well, what are the chances someone wants to fund me? Just because someone steps up to fund you, then I should get into this business with the person. Well, we answer the teen's Q&A question, right? Unequal yoke in business ventures. Be very, 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 very careful of that. God says, no unequal yoke. Well, just because someone funds you, just because there is funding, and this funding enables you to, to now move to another stage, does it mean that that move to another stage is God's blessed will? Well, we saw here, just because they have the money and they say, let's, let's use this money, then let's go, means the thing that followed after that was God's blessed will? Not necessarily. We often think, oh, you know, in this situation, no, there's no way out but there's funding. Oh, I could afford it just because I could afford it. I said many times, I shared many times, right? I walked into a shop once while waiting for someone and just browsed at some things and then the sales girl said, Do you, um, what's the special occasion that you need to look at a tie? Then I say, uh, no special occasion. Then she just smiled, oh, just because you can. I walked away, what do you mean by that? Just because you can. I was struggling with that. When I walked out, then the light bulb came on, right? The light bulb moment. Oh, just because I can afford to buy it, right? whether there's an occasion or not, I want to buy something. I walked out without buying anything. So maybe she thought, oh, I guess he could not. <laughs> right? Just because you can. I said, oh, just because you can. Just because you can doesn't mean it is God's blessed will. Remember that. We studied in, in, in BBK this morning. God puts money in our hands just because we can, just because we have, doesn't mean that we can, the next decision that we make because we can is God's blessed will. All right? So don't be foolish to think that that is the case. So, but I, you know, I, I do wonder, did Saul actually have money or not? <laughs> I kept wondering. We, we never know, right? But one thing I know that Saul's character later on was he would readily make use of other people. He would readily make use of God's army to do what he wants, all right? He would readily stay behind the line and send people to death. That was all. Was this the beginning signs? I don't know. But, well, he said, well, if you have money. Well, I also wonder, you know, why is it that he keeps thinking, I must give money, I must give money, I must give money. Well, let's continue. Events, events, right? Then verse, well, verse 10. And Saul said to his servant, well, let's go. Well said. I'm glad you have the money. Now, let's go. So they went onto the city where the man of God was. And there, now, notice how God puts it. N again, N. So N, 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 N. Slowly unfolding before us, pay attention. And as they went up the hill, as they went up the hill, they found. Well, like, like it's chance, right? No. That they, the, the event of losing the ship, uh, the asses, that precipitated to the next step of going to look for them. All these were arranged. And now, he would meet this group of ladies. Now, as, as they went, they found. And these women were what? Going out to draw water. Not that they were drawing water. You see how they meet so, ex, uh, so coincidentally, right? We often love this kind of situation in our lives. You say, wow, you know, if... If that day I didn't lose this, then I didn't have to go to the, this place to look for it. Then the other person was happened to be coming out of the shop. and say, oh, then the person offered something. Oh, this must be God's will. That is how we are. It doesn't mean that it is God's blessed will. Don't jump to that kind of conclusion. I say again, I know you're wondering, so how, so how, so how, so how? We see at the end, all right? We'll learn lesson from the last verse. Now, next one. Now, they say, behold, and they answered, verse 12, 
He is, behold, he is before you. He's right here. He is in town. Make haste now, quickly. And come to the city, for there is a sacrifice of the people that day in the high place. What are the chances? That day that the, that the ashes were lost to the point where, where he was turning back. And then the event is Samuel was in that very city to offer sacrifices. What are the chances? Now, next one. Now, then in verse 13, he should be, he, um, as soon as ye be come into the city, ye shall straightway find him. Straightway. Means you cannot miss him. You see how things that turn out? You cannot miss this. Must be God's goodwill. And then he says, they say, now, because he's going to bless the food and so on, I've explained that. Now, then verse 14, and again, right? And they went up into the city, and when, when they were coming into the city, behold, Samuel came up. Whoa, accidentally bumped into one another. No, no, God sent Samuel out. God sent Samuel out. Nothing accidental at all. Now, events, events. Let's think about this event. Like I said, SS go wandering off, very common in the first place. But it was will of chastisement's beginning. Now, asses cannot be found. You think about this. God described, now look at, look at how God describes, verse 4. Went through Mount Ephraim, passed through the land of Shaisa, and then passed through the land of Shalim, and then, and I'm still not there, passed through the land of Benjamin. Now God named places after places after places. Well, why? Well, for us to sightsee. No. God wanted us to know they could go everywhere and they would still not find the asses. Now, these are probably quite experienced people. Probably can guess where the asses go. But can God move? Can God move the asses to go in one direction where God knows uh, or move Saul and his servants to go in another direction such that they will never find the asses? Of course, we saw in the previous messages, God could move the, the multitude, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of mice to stop just at the border of the, of the children of Israel. They would not cross. God can sovereignly control all these things. You know, sometimes you say, wow, you know, what are the, what are the chances? You know, God made the bird, the, and the, my dog, you know, choose this and choose that. The, the people that actually use dogs to choose what they want. Do you, do you realize that? Ask if, uh, ask, I think I read or was I asking someone? They say, oh, how do you come to the choice of your child's name? And it's like, oh, you know, I threw the paper there and let the dog pick up one. <laughs> no. Well, if the dog picks up one, well, God moves animals. Sometimes we are, we are that silly. Now, can God control all this? All these events? Deliberately bringing everything to pass? We think it's chance. What are the chances that the servant had money? We think it's chance. So when you look at things in life and you tell your friends or you tell your parents or you tell your spouse or you tell um, your Christian friend, you know, it's amazing how things, how incredibly things, just the whole puzzle just come together and the pieces fit together or perfectly. This must be God's will for my child, for me, for my family. Well, it's God's will, but it may be God's chastative will. Now, then the next one, all right? The next one is the T, all right? I hope I covered all the E's, right? And then we have the T. Now, what is the T? Timing. Timing. Now, you see the repeated word of when, 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 just as, just as, when, as soon as. Timing. Timing. Just because the timing is so amazing doesn't mean it's God's blessed will. I think I've said that again and again to draw you to this point. Don't say this has to be God's will. Timing. Now, when the asses wandered away and when the father realized that and when the father sent Saul and the servant and when Saul decided to turn back was exactly the day when Saul decided to turn back was exactly the day where Samuel will be in town. Timing, perfect timing. Saul could have changed his mind later. 
Saul could have changed his mind earlier. The animals could have ran away earlier or later as well. Perfectly timed. We often say that as well. You know, if, if this didn't happen, if that didn't happen, I would not have been there exactly at that time and that place. But this has to be God's will, right? God's blessed will. Not necessarily. Timing of the ladies going out to collect water. Perfectly timed. As they go up the hill, as the ladies come up, then they intersect in time. Does it mean that when God works everything like clockwork, then it is his, He's working His blessed will? No. Now, what else about timing? Um, Saul was exactly there, right? Samuel was coming out to go and bless the foot. Now, everything in time was, was the will, the chastitive will, every single gear tooth coming in place and moving. We must have that picture in our minds. Now we come to some applications now, all right? So we remember, there are the externals, there's the, um, the encouragements. Right. Make sure I get it right for you. Right, there are the expectations, there are the externals, um, there's the encouragements, um, there are the events, there's the timing. Now how do we think, how do we apply this in our lives? What are the situations in our lives, for example. Well, think about this. Let's apply to our jobs, our job situation. Well, in terms of externals. Joining a well-known company, joining a, um, a famous company and, well, having a high salary, Right? High starting salary or even existing salary. Well, promotional opportunities. All the externals. We use that very often to evaluate. It must be God's will. What is wrong with joining a well-known company? Everyone wants to join a well-known company. Right? So we don't even ask, well, does God want me to join this company? The externals. We judge by that. Well, a promotion is coming. Do we always assume that if your boss offers you a promotion and all the things look fantastic, then it must be God's will? Remember when we studied the sevenfold will of God, we very often just assume if this is not sin, if this is good, then we just assume that it is God's will for us and then we go ahead with it. The only thing that we pray, God show me your will is, God show me your will how to get these things. That is all. We've already made up our minds. External, the external. Well, what about events regarding your job? Amazing events, you know, Pastor. My friend, my colleague fell sick. And his sickness was, was terminal and he, he has to leave his job. And then, you know, me and my colleague were up for this position. Then I happened to be in the toilet with my boss, right? What are the chances? And then instead of talking to my colleague first, he talked to me first and he offered me the job. This, you see the coincidence or, or the perfect timing of everything must be God's goodwill. We just assume and we jump on the position. We never ask, well, what do I need to evaluate further? It's, it's definitely God's will. If it's so perfectly timed, all right? Timing, just when I need, just when I need money. Well, this job promotion will give me that salary. And we just jump on it. Well, business ventures, I mentioned just now. Just because there's funding, then it must be God's will? No, no. It doesn't lead to God's blessed will. Now, what about school? What about school? Parents, how do you choose for your children? External as well. This is a famous school in Perth, in, um, in, in, in Melbourne, in Sydney, in, in U the USA, in Europe. As long as it's ex the external are our standards, as long as it's good, we just assume that it, is, it must be God's blessed will for my child. Well, then the events. You know how difficult it is to get into this whatever league you call it. You know how difficult it is for my child to get into this, this school. But you know, my friend who knew a friend who knew a friend who knew a friend, 
And on the very day that I was not intending to go to this birthday party, the friend of the friend of the friend of the friend went to this party, and the friend and so on was the principal, right? And then she spilled food all over her, and then I helped her and all that. Oh, you're the school principal. She was so thankful for me for help. Whatever is the situation. You know, the events was just amazing. It was impossible for my child to get into this school, and my child is in this school. Or maybe students, yourself as well. You, you try to get in, and all these amazing things happen. You just simply assume it is God's will. Must be. Timing, everything was perfect, right? Do we ever ask, could this be not God's blessed will for myself, for my child? Now, sometimes parents say it's so competitive, so competitive, so difficult to get into this ECA, but my child got into it. We don't care what are the consequences and all that. Even the consequences are negative. We just simply say, it is God's will. You see, you cannot argue with me. Pastor, it is God's will. Some years back, there was a worshiper who's no longer with us. Now, she, she shared with me, she said, Pastor, I have to tell you a good news. You know, I've been praying for my daughter to, to get into this program, right? She's not very bright, um, but this program would, would help her, right, to have at least a stable career. I said, oh, okay, interesting. And she kept telling me to, that, you know, I prayed, I prayed, huh? just because we prayed, expectation. I prayed, and then the amazing thing happened. You know, this course is quite difficult to get, but my daughter somehow, you know, she applied, and then she met this friend and that friend, and then they made a recommendation. She got into this course. And I said, well, that's, that's interesting to hear. And she went on and on, and I said, well, well anyway, what, what, what is the course of studies, and what, what, what kind of career does it lead to? She said, wow, it is hospitality. I said, ah, oh, okay, oh, hospitality, but very specific area, you know, to work on a cruise, to work on a cruise. Now, that got me a bit, a bit worried. I said, work on a cruise? When you say cruise, you're talking about those that go out for months, and then your daughter won't go to church for months, and then um, she won't have uh, Bible study, she won't have Christian fellowship, she won't serve God for months, and that will be her life? I said, yeah, 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 that kind of cruise. And I say, it cannot be God's goodwill. It cannot be. Say, no, pastor, you, you don't understand. You know how it is impossible for my daughter, see, events. Impossible. Once a lifetime. Like Saul. So, where are you going to find another man like that? So it must be God's will. It's a once a lifetime thing. See, the fact that she went, and you know, she, she's happy. She's doing well. Doing well. Well, Saul so initially will do well. So it must be God's will. I say, then we ignore everything else. You know, we often say the charismatics, the problem with them, which is indeed a problem, they put experience above the word, correct? They put experience above the word. But we are often like that as well when, we come, when it comes to experiences and circumstances. As we put what happened, the timing, and all that, and this person will say, well, you know, my relatives all encouraged me to put her in this program. I have all the things lined up, all right? Everything aligned must be God's goodwill. Now, what else should we learn to apply this to? Purchases. Purchases. When we want to buy something in life. Well, this is a very rare item. This is a very rare opportunity to buy this house, Right? this property, and so on. And you know what? The, the agent, the property agent was my father's friend or, or, or my nephew, whatever, some relationship. Amazing. And you know, it's amazing how we could afford it. It was within our budget. Well, you set your heart on that and and you don't care about anything else. You just assume that it must be God's will. You know how many times we make purchases and after that, we are so sure everything fell in place. It was the perfect one. It was everything we expected, everything we wanted. And it is the one that is available. And we jump on it. Later on, we realize it's a lemon. You know it's a lemon? All right? You have sour and bitter taste after that. Lemon is sour and bitter, right? You have just bad experience with it. Why? Because we thought everything fell in place and we could afford it, then it must be God's will. God's good will. Don't 
jump into those situations. Now, students, what about you? Your choice of studies. Your choice of studies, external. Now, what is wrong with wanting to be in this course and that course? As long as they are not things that lead you to sin, well, it is not. Education is education, all right? Certain, especially certain courses are very clear, like um, um, engineering, being a teacher, being, being the standard stuff, right? Nursing and, and, and so on, the med medical line. But the question is this. Is it because the externals, this leads to, you must know your heart, this leads to something prestigious. This must be good. Anything prestigious, anything good, well, and they're not sinful, must be God's will. No. There's a personal will for you. Now, what else? I qualified. Just because I qualified, just because I can. Again, that. Events. Well, you know, it's difficult to get into this course, but because of COVID-19, well, less students come in, then there are more places, and so on and so forth, right? Whatever it is, timing, events, and so on, then, well, it must be God's will. Or some, because my parents chose it for me, right? Because my parents chose it for me, and that's it. But my parents encouraged me to take this course. So it must be God's will. Maybe, may not be. Now, of course, the last but not least is choice. Choice of a spouse. Choice of a spouse. It's always the externals first. Very often, for, even for believers, the externals. Tall, good-looking. Well, I don't know. For girls, what do you look for? Tall, is it? Guys, do you want tall? No, guys want short. <laughs> you look tall. <laughs> right, but externals, just externals, that's all. Oh, the Father. What did the Bible say? What did God want us to know? Father, a mighty man of power. You know, he's a who's who. Wow, so rare. What a rare young man. Prime of his age, choices, most qualified, the best. Everything is the best. Now, it may be God's will. But what I'm trying to emphasize is, we see from this passage, in this passage, it's clearly not God's will. Don't just assume that all the external, oh, this is exactly, I don't know if you have this, all right? I remember talking to one of my friends and said, you know, you know, in my life, I have a picture of how my wife would look like, all right? This kind of hairstyle, this kind of complexion, this kind of height, this kind of size. This, all right, you know, this, this is my picture of, of, of my wife to be. Sometimes we are like that. And then, well, the person turns up. You see, they wanted someone that can fight their battles, correct? Who better than this, the hugest guy in our country to fight the giants? Well, you look at the externals, well, what the person possesses, um, jobs, house, whatever it is. Then you say, well, this is the one. Now, I'm not saying that, that it is, you must marry someone ugly and poor, right? I'm not saying that. But you have to ask, does it necessarily mean it's God's will? Don't evaluate by the externals. And, and that's it. that is it. Timing. You know, this happened, that happened, and so on. It may be God's will. But we see here, it, it is also possible that it's God's chastity field. Now, then we, well, ultimately, before we go to, well, how to evaluate, right, is, Christian, anything in our lives, no matter how amazing the event, no matter how when you trace back, it's just incredible how everything came together and that's exactly the one that you want and the person turns up and you just think that I, it's for me to pursue, it's for me to get this job or whatever or purchase it is, whatever it is. Now, as long as you think in your heart, no, I think it's better for me. But as long as it doesn't draw you closer to God, if your love for the Word of God, if your love for prayer, if your love for the church, if your love for fellowship, if your love for service, now if all that, all that are now set aside, no matter how amazing that thing is, no matter how after you made that decision, everything seems like clockwork fell into place, you must admit that you're walking into God's chastity will. All right? Now, I guess the question is this. Well, I'm in trouble now. Some things happen perfectly. So, pastor, how do I discern? Is it God's will or God's, God's blessed will or God's justitive will? Now, remember, very similar situation where um, Abraham's servant went out to look for um, a wife for Isaac, all right? Similar thing happened. He went there. The ladies were, were, well, 
out there getting water, and, and, and that's where he met, he noticed Rebecca. And what does God's word say? Genesis 24, 27. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth, I being in the way. The Lord led me, I being in the way, meaning to say, he was doing this, doing that, doing this, and he was just, God moved him exactly to the intersection, and he was in that way. I was in the way. The Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. The Lord led me. So we know that that was precisely God's blessed will. So there are situations like that too. So you say, well, certain things are happening in my family's life, in my singlehood's life, in my, in my um, job life, in my student life. Well, and I need to make a decision. And these things are happening. Should I go ahead with it or not? First thing is to look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. And as for thine asses that were lost three days ago, set not thy mind on them, for they are found. Now, this is the key. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not thee? Is it not on thee and all thy father's house? So he asks this question. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Who is this Israel looking for? And please note, God says, all the desire means they are yearning. They are like, they are they're absolute intent. Like this is their mission. Like this is what they want to have and they are intent on having. They are what they yearn for. And the very important thing in their life that they yearn for, all their desire converges on they want a king like Saul. Tall, seemingly powerful, who will fight their battles, and all that kind of things. All your desire. Well, how do you make sure that you don't jump to conclusions and discern wrongly? Check what is your yearning. Check what is your yearning. You know, some people, they want to get married. They just must get married. That's all their yearning, their mission in life. If they don't get married, they're like, oh, I failed totally. I must get married. They've already made up their mind. This is their yearning. I don't get a good job. I don't, I don't, I'm not rich. It doesn't matter. I must get married. To some is something else. I must have this kind of career, or I must have this kind of house. I cannot live in the, the old old style house. I want the modern kind of house. Your yearning, you already say I must have this. Now that is a very dangerous position to be. God said, "Well, from the lips of Samuel, it's almost like, do you know what Israel want? <laughs> exactly you. That's all they want. A king." To rule over them, not God. So your yearnings, your yearnings. You know, there are many Christians who, they, they say, as far as I'm, my family is, we must live in this kind of house. Not the old kind, right? You know the old kind, right? Maybe bricks exposed, that kind. It must, must be modern, all right? Modern. And then the opportunity comes. Wow, this house in the location that we want, and we can afford it within our budget. It must be God's will. But the yearning of your heart is, I want this kind of house. To the point where you don't see. I will forego tithing. It requires double income. It requires um, us to, to, to have a certain life such that we'll be too tired to study God's word and all that. We don't care. This must be God's will. So ignore the rest because this has to be. Why? Because you're driven by your yearning. That is all. Same for the job. You're driven by a yearning. I yearn to have a career. I yearn to have this kind of career. Now, everything that you see, you are going to interpret it as God's goodwill. But the wills of chastisement has begun because your yearning is so strong. God knows that He's not going to change your mind. He will have to chastise you. Always ask yourself, very sincerely, honestly, now, last week we learned, right? The previous week. They missed God's blessed will, M-I-S-S. The M stands for motivation. Check our motivation. The I, well, they were impatient, right? The S, they were stubborn. The other S is they were self-centered. It's their will, our battles, our king. Check all those things. What is your, the yearning of your heart, dear friend? When you, are, when you have a yearning 
that is not yielded to God, you will be in a very, very dangerous position to read everything as God's will. Now, well, that is one thing. Well, the other thing is we have learned in the sinful will of God, check if you are disobeying any preceptive will of God. The preceptive will of God. Now, look at them. Look at verse chapter 8, verse 20. Why do they ask a king? Chapter 8, verse 20. That we may also be like all the nations. That is what they wanted. To be like other nations. They were supposed to be conformed to God's image so that they will be a testimony and a light to the world. But they do not want to be like God. They want to be like the other nations. Now, this in itself was clearly against God's preceptive will. They knew that as a covenantal people, they were there to fulfill God's purpose, not theirs. They knew that. It was known why God saved them. God repeatedly told them why I took you out of Israel, to be my witness. Now, anything that you know is already against God's known will. No matter what the circumstances are, in fact, the more, if you're honest, and say, actually, just by the fact that I want to be conformed to the world, I want my yearning is to be like the world, to have the things like the world, and to live like the world. The moment you have that, now when you see things begin to fall perfectly in place, and you know you're already outwardly disobeying a known preceptive will, you better start to say, tooth number one of that will, of the gear of chastity will has now clicked into place. I better repent before it clicks further and further and further and the motion is in full steam. The gestative will. Motion will go into full steam in the future chapters as we study. Alright? Now, in fact, after this, they were so happy. Oh, yay! God saved the king! Kind of thing. They were very happy. And then later on, they began to cry. God already told them, you want to be like the world, you will be sorry. So ask yourself very honestly. Now, of course, this necessitates you to know God's Word. Why do we encourage you to study God's Word? Very often, Christians, they are breaking God's preceptive will, God's instructions, um, um, principles, and all that, without knowing, because they don't study God's will. All right? So fathers, that is why we emphasize that you can't be a good head of the home if you do not know God's will, God's Word well. All right? Singles, the same. Uh, you want to be like the world, young person? You want to dress like the world? You want his music? You want his friendships, you want to look like them and all that, then you say, well, everything fell in place for you. You yearn, you say, I want to go overseas to study, all right? Perth is backwater, are we? <laughs> Perth is backwater. I must be in Melbourne, I must be in Sydney, all right? I must be in um, Europe, I must be in um, U US, I must be in the Ivy League. Your yearning is already there. When you ask God, God, can you show me your will? All you're asking is, God, what to study when I'm there? That's all. You already have that yearning. Very dangerous. You may see everything fall into place. Your parents may even have the funding to send you there. But is it necessarily God's will? Now, I'm not saying that it is not. Check your yearning. Check your yearning. All right? We'll continue to study more of some of this. But now, ultimately, I know some of you have this question, and I close. Now, look at verse... 17 because if you read this just now you'll be wondering verse sorry verse 16 verse 16 tomorrow about this time i will send thee a man out of the land of benjamin and thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people that he may save my people out of the land of philistines for i have looked upon my people because their cry is come unto me he said well pastor hang on god says well, he wants this person to be captain over the people that he may save his people of the land of the, and of the hand of the, specifically the Philistines. And their cry, he looked upon them and their cries come up to him. Maybe it's not God's chastitive will, right? Now that God is protesting, we have read. God say, solemnly protest. Make them know this is not my will for them. Give them what they want. We know. Now, then why does God say this? Cynicism. Cynicism. Now, look at this. Captain over my people, 
save my people out of the hand of Philistines. Now, did God know? Not, did God not know that Saul would not do that? Well, in show, there was one success. But we know the life of Saul. He spent his energy and his time and God's army on what? Pursuing to kill David so that he can keep his throne. And very often in, 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 in that aim of his, in that yearning of his, instead of fighting the Philistines, he was only focused on one thing, kill David. Use the military to kill David. And ignored the trouble that the Philistines were causing to the people. He ignored that. Did God not know that when the giant came, Goliath, Saul would be in his tent, dare not go out. That he would even put his armor on a young David. Okay, go fight him. Did God not know that he would be a coward? Why does God say that he may save my people specifically from the Philistines? The Philistines continue to trouble them. The Philistines send their giant, but he did not. Well, it looks like God made a false prophecy. Of course not. The reason why Samuel could tell everything and everything comes to pass because God told him. God was cynical. They said, so that the king will go out before us and fight our battles. Yeah, I will appoint one to fight the Philistines. And they will learn he won't fight the Philistines. He will fight his own battles, not your battles. Why did God say? That he may save my people. And I, I looked upon, their cry came to me. I looked upon my people. Well, I look at them and they keep crying and keep crying. Like a parent saying, you keep crying and you keep crying and you stubbornly keep crying. Well, I'll look upon you and I'll give you what you hope for, what you wish, what you want. This was God actually mocking them. I hope that none of us will ever hear God, or, will ever see God orchestrate, orchestrate, orchestrating, orchestrate, orchestrate everything so precisely to bring his justitive will into our life. I hope that we'll never hear God mocking us. When we want, we want, we want, we yearn for all, one, 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 we just yearn for this. That's all our yearning. And God says, you will have it. You say, you want all this? To get all this? I will show you what will really happen. Now we, I pray that we will, we will mean what we sing. Have thine own way, Lord. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Let us rise to sing the closing hymn, 421, 421. 421, have thine own way, 421. Let us rise.